All right, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Mark chapter 3. Um, uh, is this pretty loud? Are we good? Hey, that's better. Uh, Mark chapter 3, um, I, and, and I do want to, uh, first of all, say thanks to Pastor Dallas for giving the opportunity to preach here this morning. Um, and uh, looking forward to, to what God's going to do here. Um, uh, I, I do like that we're going to keep it informal. Um, I like to have a good time. Okay, anybody else out there? You know, Okay, uh, I'm going to ask for a little interaction today to kind of, you know, uh, I know you all don't know me very well, and I don't know many of you very well, but uh, hey, God's good, and, and we can uh, just allow him to, to work in our hearts here this morning. Um, we are going to continue uh, the, the series that Pastor Dallas has been working through on the Gospel of Mark. Um, I, I am going to talk to him, though, whenever uh, I see him again. Um, after he, he asked if, I, if I'd fill in, and I said, yeah, that'd be fine, and then he said, would you care to continue in Mark. And I said, you know, no problem. Like, I, I love the book of Mark. Uh, you know, it is exciting. It's full of, you know, there, there's one thing after another, you know, there's all sorts of action, you know, that goes on. And then I'm like, just send me the passage, you know, and I, you know, I have no problem doing that. That'd be, that'd be fine. And so then he sent, he texts me the, the, the passage we're going to look at today and I read it and I'm like, really? This is what I get to preach. Okay. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's one of those passages when you first read it, it's like, Wow, you know that I didn't even I didn't I mean I knew it was there, but I mean it's like you know it's not an exciting one you know it's not like the you know the disciples and you know the the, the they're in the storm or you know you have the demonic Vigadero or the you know the healing and the you know the great miracles and all these sorts of things that you know you know and uh, you know uh, are kind of popular in the book of Mark and so uh, but I'll give them a hard time about it uh, but uh, but it, it, I'm sure it won't go anywhere but uh, you know. Uh, so I, I am thankful to to, to be here. Uh, just uh, just a real real brief uh, a little bit about us. Um, we have uh, uh, we were in the same church for about twenty years, um, and uh, we were married in two thousand. So we were there from uh, two thousand to to twenty twenty. Uh, and uh, I uh, somewhere along the way, uh, God had really got a hold of my heart, um, and uh, and we knew that, that that God called me to preach. And so around two thousand twelve. Uh, 2013, uh, that God really began to do a work in my heart and my life. Um, and I knew that, you know, God had a plan for us. You know, we were looking to possibly go and help uh, a church plant. And uh, our youth pastor had left, um, and my pastor had came to me and asked if I'd be interested in uh, just staying there and and, and taking on uh, as, as youth pastor. And, and so we did, and so I served there for about eight years um, and worked through school. And, and I'll tell you, uh, youth ministry, I'll tell you, it was one of the, I, I think that, you know, teenagers scare me, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, especially after now having, you know, a couple teenagers that, that we've kind of uh, survived through, you know, of our own. Uh, but, you know, teens scare, they're, they're scary. They're scary individuals. But I'll tell you, it was, it was fun. You know, it was, it was good, good, good times. And, and we got to see God do some great things there. Um, the end of 2019, I got a really burden in our heart, and, and uh, you know, we really felt the Lord was leading us uh, to uh, to transition. We had an opportunity, and I took an executive pastor position uh, up here in, in, in Vandalia, and it was an odd time to trans, transition ministry. Uh, our, our first Sunday was in March of 2020, and if anybody remembers what was going on in the world in uh, March of 2020, that was when COVID hit, and everything went crazy in the world, Okay. Uh, and so, so we were there a couple of years and, you know, the Lord just kind of had moved us on from there. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, we're in this season now where we've been just seeking the Lord and just trying to find his will for our life. Um, 
And so uh, it's been an odd time for us, but but God's been so good. Uh, God is God is good. Uh, he's good all the time. Uh, and so uh, so that's a little bit about us. Um, if I gave you my full life story, uh, we'd probably be here for several hours, and uh, and uh, now I don't want to do that, and I don't want to bore y'all. But uh, but I'll tell you what, I, I will say this: in my life, I have seen how faithful and how good God is. In the ups, the downs, the the good times, the bad times, God is always faithful. Um, and and I'm thankful that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that I can anchor my life on. That no matter good times, bad times, highs, lows. He is always there. He's always faithful, and he'll never leave you. Um, and 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 that's a promise that we can that we can take to the bank. Uh, but anyways, we've talked about some more important things. Uh, how many of you uh, have like a favorite holiday movie? Uh, you know, and, and anybody got like a favorite like you know? I know Christmas is past. How many of you are like as soon as Christmas is over? I'll tell you a little bit about me. Uh, our Christmas Christmas ended on. December 25th, uh, we took our tree down December 26th, okay? You know, we're, we don't waste time. It's like, you know, get the clutter out. You know, anybody else like that? How many of you are like, I'm leaving mine up till next year to save some time? No, okay. Uh, but how many of you have a, a favorite holiday movie? It, you don't have to tell me what it is, but right? Okay, does anybody watch movies in here? I just want to, I, I got to make sure I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, I'll tell you, my, my youngest son, his favorite movie a uh, 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 Christmas movie it is Home Alone. How many of you are, are Home Alone fans? Or you've seen it, you know the basis of the story. Okay, uh, I'll tell you, for me, I, it is one of my favorite movies, and I'll sit down and watch that with him anytime. For me, it's kind of nostalgic. Uh, it's one of the very few memories that I have uh, with just me and my grandfather. Um, I, this will date me a little bit. It, and uh, I actually saw it in the theater, um, and I remember going to the movie theaters with my grandpa, uh, and I would have been in grade school, and we went, and, and the thing that I remember most was, you know, uh, we, I felt like I was, you know, doing something illegal and getting away with it. Uh, now, you know, who is this guy? Uh, but, you know, we snuck candy into the movie theater, you know, and I remember at the time, I'm thinking, like, are we allowed to do this? I'm going to go to jail. We're going to get in trouble, you know, but uh, anyways, uh, but Home Alone, back to the story. Okay, you know, in 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 Home Alone, you know, there's kind of the, that's the, the the beginning of the movie, you know, where they have you have the the the, the narrative is, is kind of being built, and, and and Kevin has this thing about family. He's like, I wish my family would what disappear. Okay, uh, now now here's the here, here's the here's the question. As we get started, I want to ask you guys a question and kind of help me out with this. Uh, family is fill in the blank. Okay, give me this is where I need a little interaction. Family is, throw out a word. What? Important. Okay, somebody else. Supportive. Okay, y'all are reading that now. Hey, there we go. I was waiting for somebody to say it. Yes, okay. Family is a headache. Family can be difficult. Family can be complicated. Family can be confusing. Family can be crazy, Okay. Anybody else got a crazy family? <laughs> okay, just me. Uh, but hey, now, my people—not my family—is good. The rest of them are all crazy. Uh, now, now listen. Family is—it brings a lot of different things out for a lot of different people. Um, and 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 I know that for for a fact. You know, I wrote down something. He said, "Family is awesome. Family is hard. Family is messy. Family is complicated. It's beautiful. It's crazy. It's difficult." Uh, some people would say family is everything in my life, and family is so so important. It's a lot of things. 
And here in our text this morning, we're going to look at something, and we get a, a, get a little snapshot here uh, of Jesus with his family. And, uh, and, and on first read, it kind of appears that Jesus is maybe being a little bit harsh or dismissive to his family. But when you really start to look into uh, what, what God is trying to uh, convey to us through this text, uh, and we let the Word of God do what it does and allow it to speak to our hearts, We'll see that Jesus is making a couple of very powerful, powerful points. Uh, and he's pointing out to his family and all that are around them that there is a family relationship that supersedes all of our earthly family relationships. He's trying to drive that home. And the, the points that Jesus is going to make are they're essential for each of us to know and to understand, but they also should lead us to make some decisions regarding each of those things in our own personal lives. You know, the, the, and that's what I want us to look at. You're looking there in verse number 31. We're going to pick up there in, uh, in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. And the Bible says this. It says, There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he, Jesus, answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, first read there, it looks like Jesus is saying, Who's my mother? Who's my brethren? At first read, it's almost like Jesus, is he being rude? Is he being insensitive? Is he, is he, you know, is he, you know, his mother that's cared for him and taking care of his family? Is he, is he almost being dismissive of them? And, and, and that's not what he's doing. And we're going to look at what he's going to, what he's trying to get here. But here you find this interesting interaction between Jesus and his family. But there are some very powerful things that we need to see that God wants us to look at here this morning in his word. If you would just stop with me that we're going to pray. And then we'll dive in to hear what, what God has for us there this morning. Dearly Father, God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here and preach your word. God, I thank you for uh, just each and every individual that's here. Uh, God, I don't know all the needs. I don't know what everybody is going through. I don't know where people are spiritually or, or those that uh, are, are maybe facing some difficult times, Lord. Uh, but God, we know that you do. We know you know each and every heart, each and every life. God, you know what each and every one of us needs here. And God, I pray that you would just allow us these next few moments just to just to kind of remove all the distractions, all the things that maybe are going on in our lives, the plans that we have coming up uh, later today and the rest of this week. But God, I pray that you would just help us right now to turn all of our attention to you. God, that we would allow your word to speak to our hearts. God, if there's somebody here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would not leave this place without getting that settled. And God, I pray for the one that maybe is away from you and that has kind of drifted away from where you want them. Lord, I pray you bring them back. And God, I pray that as we come to this last Sunday of 2023 and looking ahead to a new year, God, that you would challenge our hearts to do more and to be more like Jesus and to, to do more for the cause of Christ in this coming year. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if you look there, and uh, I want to kind of make this statement as we kind of move forward here that would kind of kind of be the basis of what we're driving for. But here it is. The most important relationship in life that we must all deal with 
is our relationship with God. Nothing in this life is more important than having the right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that relationship, that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, it should change the entire course of our life. Let me say that again. The most important relationship in life that we must all deal with is our relationship with God. Nothing in this life is more important than having the right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And listen, that relationship should change the course of our entire life. We want to look here at verse number 31. I just want to kind of go through this text. And you see, here in, in Mark chapter 3, and as Pastor Dallas has kind of been leading through here, uh, you've seen that, that there's been so much that has happened in the life of Jesus. Uh, and, and it would kind of pick up right in the middle of when Jesus' ministry gets started here in the book of Mark. But his ministry, it's kind of exploding. Uh, word of the miracles and the teachings and the mighty works that, that he has done, it drew multitudes of people from all over to flock to him. They were, you, you see that multitude was growing and more and more people were hearing about him and, 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 and his, his fame had kind of been going out. If you look there in verse number seven in Mark chapter three, it says, but Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they had heard what great things he had did came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him, for he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. Uh, here, the, the, these crowds, they started getting bigger and bigger. More and more people were hearing about Jesus, this, this healer, this teacher. They didn't, they, they didn't know what to do, and so they just kept flocking to him. They, they were people that, that and listen, if it, if it was you or I, and we, we had someone in our family or our friend that was struggling, and we hear about this guy that could, could heal sicknesses and heal diseases and cast out demons, we would be doing everything that we could to get our loved ones and our family members and, and those that were struggling, we would do everything we could to get them to this man, right? And that is what's going on at this period of time. And they, they, Jesus, the, you know, his, his ministry had just, I mean, it had just taken off. You see, his message and his miracles, they were exciting to some, but I'll tell you what, his messages and miracles were enraging others. The, 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 the Pharisees and the, the, the scribes and the Sadducees, they, they, they were not, they were not impressed with what was going on with Jesus. They didn't like it. But listen, you take the, the, the common man, you know, and, and Mark, you know, it says the common man heard him gladly. You know, they, they, they wanted, they wanted this guy. They wanted this Jesus. They wanted, uh, they, they wanted to be near him. You see, but here in, in, in Mark chapter three, verse 31, it says, uh, it, it, Jesus here, he's in this house. There's this multitude. It's so large they couldn't even eat food. Uh, it, it was kind of like we're pressed in. He's stuck, okay? Uh, and, and, and if you look there, it says, There came then his brethren and his mother standing without, sent unto him, calling him. Now, now Jesus, he's kind of in this place. If you back up to verse 21, or verse 20, it says, And the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. Verse 21, And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is beside himself. Here, uh, Jesus, his, his friends, they, he heard what was going on. They, they went out to get him. They were concerned for his well-being. And, uh, but it says there, at the end of verse 21, it says he is beside himself. Uh, they, they're worried he's kind of out of his mind at this point. He, he, so much has happened, and, and, and they're worried about his physical well-being and his, uh, his mental health, and they're worried about Jesus. And so his friends were coming to, to, to get him, but they couldn't get to him because of, uh, of the crowd of people. 
we pick up here in verse 31, that's where Jesus' family, there, there came then his brethren, his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him and said, they, uh, and they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. You see, it's fair to say that just as his friends were concerned about him and wanted to, to care for his well-being, his family was doing the same thing. They, they, they loved him, they cared about him, and they, they were worried about him. They started to hear some of the things that Jesus had, had said, some of the things that he had done. And, and so, so they, were, they, they were concerned for him, so they come to Jesus, and they wanted to maybe, maybe take him back to Nazareth and tell him you need to take some rest and you need to, you, you need to care for yourself. But see, the, when, I, and when I say his family, we, we need to understand, we're talking about Jesus' his half-brothers, his, his sisters, his, Mary. They, they're coming to, this is his real, his real family, okay? Uh, and, and they're coming and they can't get to him, so, so they send a messenger to call unto him. And that's what you find there, verse 32. And, uh, or verse, uh, yeah, verse 32, and the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brother without seek for thee. Uh, they they uh, they they try to send somebody to 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 get to Jesus and uh, and and so they send this message that they can't get to him and somebody tells Jesus hey your mother and your brother and they're outside and they can't get to you but 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 they're looking for you they're seeking you and and, and Jesus uh, you know he he hears this and listen uh, Jesus responds then in a very interesting way he says in verse thirty three. He answered them saying, who is my mother or my brethren? Now listen, if you're sitting there thinking that, uh, what would you think of whenever you hear, hear this guy? Here they had just said, hey, your mother and your brethren, they're seeking for you. And Jesus, he says, well, who is my mother and who is my brother? What is everybody thinking at this point? I mean, they have to be wondering, you don't even know who your own mother is? You know, and, and listen, uh, if you were a mother, I mean, would you take, I mean, that's, that's kind of, it sounds kind of harsh, okay? Uh, but Jesus is not, he, what Jesus is doing is, uh, uh, Jesus is always looking for those teachable moments. He's looking for those times when he can, uh, you know, he, he, every part of his ministry had purpose. Everything that he did had a purpose. And here, uh, it, was, it was a perfect time for him to insert something that was essential, that needed to be addressed. And so he asked the question, who, uh, who is my mother and who is my brethren? Now listen, what Jesus is really trying to drive home to them is, is, a, is a truth that he's bringing out here, and that is that there's a necessity of this, of this new family, this spiritual family that's far more important than any family relationship. You see, Jesus then looked at them in verse 34, and he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. If you look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 12, the same, the same passage, the same account is given in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. Uh, when Jesus there, he says, Behold my mother and thy brother. In verse 49, it's interesting because Matthew adds a, 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 a point to this. He says, And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brother. He's talking to his disciples. He's pointing to those that had been following him, those that, those that were with him, those that, that, that knew him, that had a relationship with Jesus. He points to them and he said, Listen, this is my brethren. This is my mother. And what he's saying is, Hey, this is my family. This is my spiritual family. This, these, are, these that are doing the will of God, they are, they are more my family than those that 
His, at this point, his half-brothers, his family, they didn't really understand who Jesus was. They, his half-brothers didn't believe in him. What Jesus is trying to say is, hey, listen, these ones that are following, these ones that know me, these ones that I'm spending time with, these ones that I have a relationship with, these are my brethren and my mother. And that's the point that he's trying to bring out here. And what he's trying to tell them He says, listen, I am closer to those who are born again and a part of that spiritual family than my own blood relatives. Now listen, that goes to us as well. You see, what Jesus isn't doing is He's pointing out that our that spiritual family, it supersedes any natural family relationship that we have. Now, he, I, want to, I want to make this point that Jesus is not belittling family at any point of this. He is not making light of who his mother is or who his brethren is. And I think it's important. This is one of those points where we need to, to always interpret Scripture with Scripture. You must take Scripture in context. And, and listen, I'll tell you, the best interpreter of Scripture is always Scripture. Uh, you see, some will say, listen, Jesus also said in another time in the Gospel that, that you're to hate your family. Jesus clearly doesn't think much of the earthly family unit. Well, that's wrong. That would be wrong to say. Uh, in, in the passage I, I'm mentioning, there's Luke chapter 14, verse 26, when he's talking about those disciples leaving everything and following Jesus. Jesus makes this statement. He says, If any man come to me and hate not his father his, and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, listen, if you read that and you take that out of context, Jesus is basically saying, You need to hate your family and love me. Now, is that true? No, what, this is where that Greek word there used for the word hate literally means to love less. You see, there's no contradiction. Jesus there is just saying that you could put God first. God is the first priority. He's the number one on the priority list. And that message from Jesus is clear through all of the Gospels and through the entire Word of God. It is God is first. Thou shalt love the Lord of God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. And the second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself it's listen he and jesus say hey you can roll the entire old testament into two commands and that is love god and love others because that during that same teaching is the same all the way through but i do want you to know that jesus and and god's word does teach that we are to care for our families first timothy 5 8 but if a man provide not for his own house and especially of those of his own house he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel here, Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he's telling him, hey, listen, instruct those earthly fathers to take care of your earthly family. You see, Jesus here, the, the point of this, he's not telling them to, you know, I don't know who my brother or my brother is, and that, that those family relations, they're not, they're not important. No, Jesus is trying to point out that you can have the best family relationships. You can have the greatest earthly relationships, but if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not know Him, and you do not have a right relationship with God through Jesus... Those earthly families, those earthly relationships are not going to get you into heaven. That is the point that Jesus is trying to drive home. You see, and that is where this comes to us. You see, Jesus, He loves the family. He instituted the family. You go back to the book of Genesis. Jesus, it is God Himself that ordained the family. It ordained marriage. And from the very beginning, it was His plan. I'll tell you, in our world today, there are so many issues that can be traced back to the devil's attacks and assaults on the family. What here, what Jesus is doing is he's just trying to point out that, hey, 
your relationship with God is more important than any earthly relationship. He's not saying those earthly relationships aren't important. He's trying to get them to know there's one relationship that you have to get right. Now, for us, okay, that's the text. There's the, the, that, that's the, the breakdown of the passage. But what about us? Here I want you to see two things. There's two main points that arise from the, this text. And I think on the last Sunday of 2023, I think we need to personally address both of those. You see, it's important at times that we stop and we just do in a self-examination. Where are we? What's going on in my heart, in my life? And then we ask God, if He points something out, Lord, change that. It's going into a new year. It's one of those times that everybody makes resolutions and all that sort of thing. And I love, Brother Joe, when you said that, you know, the one resolution that we should all make is that we should all be a little bit more like Jesus in the coming year. And I'll tell you what, that all of us, <laughs> it, it, we all need that. No one has arrived. We have not, we, you know, we have not got it all together. We do not know everything. We are not always uh, doing everything right. And there are large gaps that we all need to improve on in our life. First John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself so to walk, even as he walked. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I need to, every day, there are areas in my life that I can walk more like Jesus. And that's what we need to strive for in the coming year. Here we are. Two, two things will be done. First off, I want you to see there is an essential relationship. That's what Jesus is trying to point out, that there is an essential relationship. That essential relationship is that we must be born again. You take a harmony of the Gospels, and what had already happened up to this point, Jesus had already had the encounter with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, Jesus meets Nicodemus, and he says this, John chapter 3, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the, uh, a ruler of the Pharisees, he says this. He says unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that means physical birth, except him be born of water and of the spirit, spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. Listen, what Jesus is saying is there is an essential relationship in each and every one of us. There needs to be a point in our life when we are born again into the family of God. That's what Jesus is trying to drive out. He wasn't being disrespectful. He was trying to say, listen, there's a family relationship that we all need to get settled. It's essential that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. That, is, that was true when Jesus was... Living that out, it's true in 2023 going into 2024. It is an essential relationship that we all need to make sure that we have right. John 1, 11 through 14 says, He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory of the only uh, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's whosoever, it's anybody, it's open to everybody. You see, there will be many, in, in as last time, there are many professors. There will be many people that, that profess to know the Lord, that, that profess to have done great things. There will, but listen, there are a lot of professors, but some were never possessors. And what I mean, the difference there is, there are those that say, oh, I love the Lord, I live for the Lord, I do all these good things, and I'm a good person, and I'm all this. And listen, what Jesus is trying to get us to understand, and what he does all throughout the New Testament, is he says, listen, if you don't know me, and you don't have a relationship with me, you can have done everything and anything under the sun, but if you have no relationship with me, you will spend eternity separated from me. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus, the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This had already happened at this point in Mark chapter 3. Jesus had already preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are they ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or, th- or th- uh, figs of thistles? E- even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits shall ye shall know them. He said, listen, you're going to know people by their fruits. Okay, but then he goes on to say this in verse 21. And this is what I want you to understand. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, Jesus, all throughout his, his messages and, and, and here in this passage, he's trying to get them to understand, that, listen, the most important thing that you need to get settled is that relationship between you and me. Can I tell you, that is why a church is in a city. That is why a church is in a place. It is to get the message of the gospel to those that do not have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is what everything should drive through. It should be to point people to the only one that can get them to heaven. We should be like that that, that those multitudes that were bringing those that were that were that were struggling, those that had the disease, those that were the unclean spirits, and when they heard Jesus could cast them out, they were doing everything they could to get them to Jesus. In Mark chapter two, they, they're ripping roofs off and dropping them down because they want to get them to Jesus. And listen, that should still be our heart's desire for people in 2023, 2024 that don't know Jesus, that are lost and on their way to a devil's hell. It should be our job that have a relationship with Jesus to get them to the one that they need. There's no difference. Early early church, modern church, that is the mission. And listen, that's what we need to remember. It's essential that we have that relationship right. And finally, here it is. There should be an earnest response. There should be an earnest response. And what I mean by that, that, that word earnest, okay? The, and, and I like this thing, right? Essential relationship, earnest response. Earnest response, here it is. The word earnest means serious and zealous in intention, purpose, or effort. Back in Mark chapter 3, verse 34, and he looked around about on them which sat about him. Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. What he's saying is, listen, those ones that are doing the will of God, 
they are more my brother and my sister than my own blood relatives. And what Jesus is saying is when we have a right relationship with our Father, when we know Him, Paul said that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of the suffering. Listen, Paul, if you look at his ministry, the reason that he was the way that he was was because on the way to, on the road to Damascus, when he met Jesus Christ and he encountered Him and it rocked his world, it changed his life. It changed the way he lived. It changed the way he acted. It changed every aspect of his life. Let me ask you this. When you met Jesus and you got that essential relationship right, how much has it rocked your world and changed your life for him? How much of your life is different than it was before you met Jesus? And this is one of those times, the end of the year, we clean the slate and remember, hey, am I closer to Jesus right now than I was last year? Is there somewhere that I'm slipping? Is there something that I need to change? Because listen, what Jesus is saying, those ones that do the will of God, those were the ones that got it right. He said, I'm closer to them. And the reason he says that is not because he's talking out of nowhere. No, Jesus always did the will of his Father. Oh, that is our job as New Testament believers. He that saith he abideth in him. If we say we know Jesus, we say we love Jesus, we ought to walk even as he walked. And listen, he always did the will of the Father. John chapter 6, verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. From a very child, Luke chapter 2, verse forty. Uh, verse 48, and when they saw him, this is when Jesus had got away from his family. He had stayed to talk to the doctors. They didn't know where he was. They come back looking for him. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why hast thou dealt that with us? Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wist not ye know that I must be about my father's business. Jesus from a child was always saying, listen, I'm here I'm going to mind you. I'm going to be subject to your, uh, your rules. But listen, there is a greater call on my life, and that is to obey the will of my Father that sent me. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, uh, and we, we see and we get the stamp of approval on that in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and lo, a, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, God the Father was always pleased with the Son because the Son was always doing the will of the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went off to be crucified, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he's talking to his disciples and they had this exchange back and forth where they were asleep and he come back and all this, and we know the story. But he said in verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but, my, the, but the flesh is weak. And he went again the second time and prayed saying, Oh Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Jesus said, listen, if there's any other way, if there's anything other than the cross, Lord, let's do it. But he said, listen, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, Jesus modeled that earnest response of what it means to have a right relationship with the Lord. That earnest response, that, that, that zealous intention, that of a purpose and effort, everything he was going to do was going to be for the will of the Father. And listen, that should be us. 
we have that right relationship with the Lord and it should be our heart's desire to do the will of the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. What would happen in this church? What would happen in our world if every Christian, everyone that has a right relationship with the Lord, stops worrying about all the other things and starts getting back to, I love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. The way I want to be treated, that's how I'm going to treat people. I'm going to love them, regardless of who they are, what they do for me. I'm going to love them, because that's what Jesus said. What would happen if that's what we would live like? I think it would change our world. I think it would change our communities. I think it would change our churches. I think it would change every aspect of our life. You see, our lives, and Jesus modeled that. But listen, our lives should be lived wholly for the one that made it possible for us to be a part of God's family. You know, in 2024, this should be our heart's desire. It's mine to live our lives to be more like Jesus each and every day of our life. My favorite verse, I would say my life verse, uh, I had the privilege of uh, uh, being on an ordination council for a, a guy that was just ordained to, to preach. And I always I always sign my name and, and put this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Listen, everything that I am, everything that you are, if you know Jesus, it is because of him. We owe him everything. And that was the Apostle Paul that was writing that to the church in Corinth. He said, listen, it's all about him. So here this morning, here it is. Have you settled that essential relationship? Do you know, do you know, do you know that there's been a time in your life when you've personally asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you? If you've not done that, that needs to get done today. And if you have done that, can I ask you this morning, are you living out that earnest response? Are you living your life more for Jesus than you ever have? Are you giving Him every aspect of your life? And if there's something that's lacking, now is the perfect time to get that settled going into a new year. Hey God, I want to give you more of myself in this coming year. I want to be more like Jesus in this coming year. Those are the two challenges. Whatever it is, I want the Lord to just do work in your heart and mind. Oh, I tell you, this has been a convicting message for me. And it's something that I, I, I want to do more of in this coming year. If you would stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, just going to have a, a brief invitation at this time. If we could have the those that are going to uh, do the song, if they come on up here. But if you would just stand, and, and I, I, just those two challenges. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'll tell you, I, I would love to talk with you. I'd love to just show you out of God's Word how you can know for sure that Jesus is yours. Heaven is yours through a relationship with Jesus.